Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Hey, we are in this uh, series, and we're really just, we're breaking down the book of James. And uh, what we are, we're going to, we're taking, I think it's like 16 weeks, we're taking a long time, and we're, we're going through this, but we're systematically going through James. What we like to do as a church, if you're a guest here today, welcome, so glad you're here with us. What we like to do is, is do uh, at least some books during the year, but then we like to do topicals, so we kind of go back and forth between the two. Um, and now we're in this series, of James, that take us into December. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, um, uh, you want to open them, we're reading here in James 1. If not, they are on the screen. It says this, Now this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like the man who looks, uh, looks intently into the natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. God, speak to us this morning. Lord, I love how uh, the, the worship so uh, intertwines with, with the word and reaffirms what James is saying. God, let us put all of our stuff to the side that we might receive what you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us this morning. God, I pray for healing. Lord, I pray where there's brokenness, you'd bring wholeness. Where there's hopelessness, God, you'd bring hope. God, where there's unforgiveness, God, you'd bring forgiveness. God, speak to your people this morning. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, move. Move in this place between a bar and a nightclub. Oh, God, move. We might know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Excuse me, I got a cough. I stopped smoking. So, I don't really smoke, okay? I don't. I, I don't smoke anymore. I don't. I don't smoke any less. Um, come on. I'm trying to loosen you up. I do, I do not. All right. Let's, let's, let's kind of jump into this because, because what we see here is, is James takes this right turn. He, he takes this right for, turn from, remember what we talked about, trusting God. You know, in difficult times where, where, where things are really hard, we're, we're trusting. And in fact, we're rejoicing in those difficult times. You remember the first part of, of James that we talked about. And then he, he turns and he goes to obedience. 
he starts talking about what it looks like to obey God. And there's this connection that takes place. And you've got to ask yourself, we can't take this word and we can't splice it and take one piece of it and not take the other. We've got to read it continually as a whole, not divided into just parts. We think that way and, and, and it helps our brain, but, but James is like, this is all congruent. And he, he gets us to this place of start, starting to think about the be and do of Christianity. Now, let me just stop right here. This is where Christianity many times breaks down because this whole do, this whole weight of I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do. I've got to go to church. I've got to give. I've got to pray every day. I've got to blah, 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 fill in all the blanks. That's religion. That's religion. That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about the fact that when you come into this relationship with Jesus, there's no effort to do. It's just what you do. When you read this word, and this word is inside of you and grabs a hold of you, it just naturally comes out of you. It's who you are. And James starts to push us into that place. And, and, and if you were to write a, a, an overview of, of James 1, one of the things that you would see is this. One of the key points is those who trust God continue to obey Him. Think about that. Those who trust God continue to obey Him. When you trust God in the midst of chaos and you see God's faithfulness, what you end up doing is you continue to obey because you see the history of what He's done. If you've never trusted God in the middle of difficulty, you're probably having a difficult time obeying. See the correlation? Trusting Him and obedience, they, they run parallel to one another. And James ties trust and do together. And then the verses we're going to break down today, uh, four times in verses 19 to 23, he gives instructions of what we do. He instructs us as Christians. And then in 24, 25, he gives wisdom and he gives a promise. He gives wisdom and a promise. And I want to break those down for you today. And I, I want to use a situation in my own life to contextualize this. And uh, it, it has to do with church and being a part of a church and and, and a church that, that I ended up, that I started, that, that, that didn't go as well because I made some foolish mistakes. So I, I want to give you some context as I talk into these things today. In verse 19, though, here's what he does. He gives instructions. James gives us instructions. He says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And he's talking about in the context of what God's doing, in the context of what God is saying right here, he gives us these instruction and kind of gives us these, these boundaries. And some 15 years ago, it didn't, I mean, it sounds like forever ago, but I was still, I don't know, 40, which is kind of old, but I was very immature as a pastor. Why did you just laugh, Heidi? No one in this place laughed at that moment. And out of everyone in this place, you just laughed at me. You know me, you know me well. Okay. You're, in fact, you're probably thinking, I don't know if he has matured yet. That's why you laughed. I was, I was, I was been in the ministry for a long time, but I was just pastorally immature. I'm still working towards sanctification in, in what God has called me to. But I was less quick to hear. I was a lot. Slow, uh, slow to speak, 
and I was definitely slow to, not slow to anger. He, he, he talks about these sheep. He says, quick to hear. He, he, here's the thing. Stop talking for one moment. You might actually hear something. Just for a moment. Stop talking. What is God saying? And in the midst of a, a crazy situation in a church that I caused, others caused, who knows, there, there was this, I didn't have the ability to stop and, and be quick to hear. What anybody had to say wasn't the right thing to say. I wasn't listening to many people. I was listening to my inner voice. I was listening to what I want. When we get in these situations, as James talks about, that are very difficult, he says, slow down. Be quick to hear. Listen to what I want to say to you. But we don't. But we don't. And then he, and then he says this. Be slow to speak. Don't let words, this is my thing, don't let words be your enemy. Do, do you know who that person is? Have you ever been that person? Where words become your enemy? If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not married, you still know what I'm talking about. Too many words will become your enemy. Be slow to speak. And in this time in my life, this, this, I, I just felt like I had to get what I wanted to say out. I had to make sure that every elder in the church, I had to make sure that every uh, person that came to the church, I had to make sure that she heard. I had to make sure that everybody heard what I felt like. Words became my enemy. And instead of taking this word, the difficulty is taking your words, put them to the side, taking this word and putting them before you, and allowing this word to speak, you and I speak. We speak too much. Let's go off into the marriage thing again. If, if I could regularly put this word between me and her, I would be a much better husband. If Chris could do this, we'd have a great marriage. You guys know the truth. Everybody's shaking their head. I'm not even going to answer that. If you could put this word between you and, the, and the, the, the difficulty that you're in right now, and just listen and be slow to speak, what, God, what might God say? What might he do? And James is saying, you're in the middle of difficulty. Slow down. Stop talking. Listen to my. Then he says this. This is the one I have mastered, so it's good. I'm just going to tell you. Okay. Again, okay. <laughs> Slow to anger. Don't try to preserve your life. Embrace death. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Embrace death. Don't try to preserve your life. I'm, I'm in this situation with the church, and I'm wrong in many ways. In some ways, I'm sure I'm right. But I am trying to preserve my life. And this slow to anger thing went right out the window. So much so, I re at one point, I'm sitting in the lobby with, with a, a, a leader in the church, and church is getting ready to get started, and I'm having a, 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 a one notch below a yelling match with this man. And people are walking by. What an idiot. Not him, me. I, I couldn't, I didn't understand what, I didn't concept, I didn't grab a hold of what James was saying here. This slow to anger. You're right in the middle of whatever you're in, the difficult times. This is critical. 
slow to anger because our natural propensity is to go right to the anger card and get mad at someone. My, my natural tendency was to go to my partner and, and, and say bad things to him. Yes, I'm the only one who's done that. I look back and go, what a fool. What an absolute fool. Ah, God's gracious. But this trying to preserve our life. Too many of us have come, have become obsessed with ensuring that we have to be heard. We have to be understood in order to save ourselves. It's the spirit of this, this, this age. It's self-preservation. I've got to preserve who I am. And what you see and what you think about me has to look like this. And my phone is going to tell you what it looks like. And we're preserving who we are. But let me tell you, it's not the gospel. The question is this. Did you know that when you came into this relationship with Jesus, when you gave your life to Jesus, did you know this? Did you give up your rights? Did you read that in the fine print? It's not even the fine print. It's like in your face. He says, you give up your rights. It, it, the false gospel that we see in the world today, the church today, is this. And it tells us that freedom is found in when I stand up for my rights, when I stomp my feet and say, it's my right. You offended me. It's my right to fight back. Hey, I'm going to, you know, pound the flesh. I'm going to get what I get. I deserve it. It's my right. It's my God-given right. And it's a bunch of crap. It's quiet. Gospel says this, Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, if anyone is to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I couldn't do it. I knew I was right. In some ways, I was right. But I couldn't do this. And in the midst of this, God is going, die, die, die. And you know what you and I do? And some of you may be experiencing this right now where God's saying, I need you to die right where you're at so he doesn't leave us in that grace, so that I might resurrect your peace, your grace, your mercy, all the things that we were singing about, that I might bring them to pass so that you don't sit in this thing called you. Anyone to come after me. See, this doesn't preach so well. You know what? Come on. You don't get, I mean, it's hard to get in front of big crowds and say, I need you to die today. Jesus wants you to crucify your flesh. Oh, God, where's the donuts? Speaking of, there's not enough. The donuts are gone. You guys are hungry today. I, I, I got to buy more donuts. It, it doesn't preach well. Jesus tells this, tells us this. Lay down your rights, and I will give you true peace, everlasting life. If you'll just lay down your perceived rights, Look, in my marriage, if I will lay down my perceived rights, I deserve this, I need this, she needs to do that. If I just die to myself, lay down, hey, that sounds like the scriptures. You know what I know that about this woman? When I do that, she, she let me qualify. She doesn't, she doesn't uh, not love me because I don't do those things. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be married because I'm an idiot. That was a joke. Come on, stay with me here. It, 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 it changes this relationship. There's a level of trust. 
There's a level of love. There's, there's something happens there when I lay down my rights and I get true peace and true everlasting life. Matthew 16, 25 says this, well, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever has a phone that is continuing to beep <laughs> will be... <laughs> Oh, boy, it's Heidi on the front row. Oh, it comes around full circle, huh? You laugh at me, I call out your phone. <laughs> whoever would save his life, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus, will find it. You want to find life? You want to find peace. You want to find great. You want to find... Die. Here's the thing with the death that Jesus talks about. He's going to die every day. Because he knows you and I. Because here's what happened. Here's, here's the cycle. I died this morning. Good, good day. God moved. Peace. All these things. I go to bed in the morning. I get up. I don't die. And, and things just start to un, unravel. Things just start to unravel. We act according to our flesh and our, our selfish ambitions. Why? We feel like we're losing control. We feel like we're losing control of things. Then James tells us how it'll manifest. This is what he says. You're going to feel like you're losing control, and it's going to manifest this way. It's going to manifest like in verse 20, the instruction that he gives. He says this, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What he says is that if you have this self-preservation and you, you're not slow to speak, if you don't do as he says here, where you're going is you're going to this place of anger. And anger doesn't just look like me yelling. I've seen the quietest, most subtle anger come from a kind, older lady that would just cut you. Mine is easy to pick out because I'm just yelling, screaming, and once in a while a swear word goes in. You're like, oh, he's angry again. But some of you ladies, your husband says, she doesn't get angry like that, but I can tell you how she gets angry. I can tell you how she gets angry. It doesn't produce righteousness, the righteousness of God. I, I put men in here, but that's, it's not fair. I'm going I'm, to just, men and women. But, but for the most part, this, this seems correct. Okay. D-O-O-O-D-D-T-O-O-F-U-G-H-Y. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently that's T-O-O for all of you scholars out there that didn't know that. Where's Gina when you need her? Okay. T-O-O, many men sleep with the enemy. Jesus knows my heart, Chris. Too many of us. We sleep with the enemy. You ever see that movie, Sleeping with the Enemy? You know, you, the enemy becomes so comfortable that it's actually your defense mode. It's, it's what you feel most comfortable with. So to think about not sleeping with that which has come most comfortable in your life is more difficult than thinking about not being angry. But here's the deal. Angry is a secondary emotion. That's not what's lying underneath. Anger gives us a feeling that we're in control. Anger gives us this feeling that, that we get this thing under, under control, the situation. We got it. We feel better in the moment, but the reality is this. The primary emotion behind anger is fear. Look, I, I, I'm sitting in this church, and this church is growing, and things are going well, but the fear is that I'm losing control. The fear is that... that, that uh, 
I might lose this. What are they thinking of me? What if this doesn't change? What if Jesus, what if God isn't real? All these fears, fears that many people in their marriages have thought about when they're going through difficult times. Fears that many of you have dealt with when you're going through difficult times. I'm losing control. I'm losing control. Well, let me deal with it with anger. Anger is very costly. See, see, your anger and mine will always take you further than you wanted to go. Here's the other thing. It always costs you more than you're willing to pay. In the moment, it feels like defense. But as it's going forth and the words are going out and people are getting cut and they're, they're cutting their knees out and you're cutting arms off and you're, you're taking people down and you just feel so empowered and so good. What you don't realize is this. It's going to cost you more than you can pay. The primary emotion, though, when we look at this anger, but, but 2 Timothy 1.7 says this as of us as Christians. It says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And if I could just press into that, if I, if I could just... Just take this word, James, just press into this. Uh, you know, this, this fear thing just rips me of my destiny and my purpose. Here's what James is saying. Those who trust the Father to be in control and to provide what is needed to ultimately bring justice in the right time can afford to let go of anger. You know the only way you do that? If you have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The only way I can do this is if I know my maker. The only way I can do this is if I'm sitting right in the middle of death every single day. Oh, so much fun to be a Christian. <laughs> There's really only one way to do this. Romans 8, 11 says, In the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. It's, a, it's that, we say it all the time, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you when you come into a relationship with him. And there's no way you're going to be able to deal with your anger. There's no way you're going to be able to not speak fast. There's no way you're going to be able to be silent. There's no way you could do any of those things apart from the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, and here I am, I'm a pastor in a good-sized church with, with great people, great staff, and, and, and I, I, I can't live in this. Because I'm trying to do it on my own. Yet I'd get up and preach a great message. I thought it was great. It's crazy how this works. And I'm wrestling and I'm fighting and I'm and inside there, there's no peace. Why? Because I wouldn't die. I wasn't willing to die. See, see the key is surrender. Some of you in here have to surrender this morning. Some of you here just you just you're gonna have to die. There's no way around it. Some of you already know what it means to surrender every single day. You have to surrender. Verse 21, he gives us some more instructions. 
says this, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, that implanted word, that, that implanted word which is able to save your souls. James writes that those who trust God reject sin. Those who have trust in God reject sin. He says those who, who put their faith in God say, I, I don't want that sin. Now let me be real clear. Human nature, fallenness, and, and our selfishness and not dying is this. I've accepted Christ, but there's times that I embrace sin. Let's just, therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no way around it. But at the heart of who I am as a Christian, I need to say no to sin. Yet I embrace my anger. I'm sitting there, and, and I'm sitting at a table with, with eight elders. And I'm mad as can be. You know why? Because I didn't feel like that they were fighting for me. And Jesus is like, I'm fighting for you. Is that enough? And in my pride and in my anger, I look back, I say it now because it's been 14 years, so I'm not the fool I was then. I can tell you this in security because I, I, those of you who know me that long probably go, yeah, we saw that. You just didn't listen to us. But I, I, I sat at a table with all these men and, and in all my foolishness and pride said, this place won't make it without me. You know what's going on over there now? That church, you, if you don't know, you know the church. I'm not going to say the name. They're doing fantastic. God has just blessed them. They're growing. They're getting the word. Just, oh, you're not going to make it without me. Are you kidding me? Some of you guys think that in your marriage right now. Don't think it's just me. Some of you have those same thoughts. And James writes this. Those who trust in God reject anger, reject lust, reject sin. He says, therefore, put away or surrender all the filthiness and the rampant wickedness. I love Joshua says this. He says, choose, choose. Look, I got up this morning... Uh, contrary to what you guys think, uh, last night and today, last night I chose to do this my face. I know some of you think I lost a bet. I know some of you think that, that uh, someone held me down and made me have this bad mustache. I know you guys got all kinds of thoughts about this bad mustache. I know you think and you've judged my Lululemons and you judge the same black shirt that I wear every Sunday. I have like eight of them, so it's not the same one that you think I wore last week. I chose to look like this. I promise you. And I know that sounds crazy to some of you. Joshua, choose. In the same way I chose this, choose this day whom you will serve. He says, just like you put on your pants, you chose, choose who you're going to, I got to get up in the morning and I'm going to go, okay, God, I'm going to choose not to be angry. I'm going to choose to be full of your spirit. I'm going to choose to walk with you. I'm going to choose to allow you to, to deal with me. I'm going to choose to love others well. Choose to stay in who you serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in those lands you dwell. But as for me, I'm going to choose in my house. I'm going to choose the Lord. There's so many options. There's so many options. As for me, in my house, I'm going to choose the Lord. So the surrendering 
is not just like, oh God, I've died today. It's, oh God, I'm going to die to myself today and I'm going to choose you. It, it, it's not just, oh, one time fits all, I'm dead. No, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to be sober-minded. I'm going to choose to be wise. I'm going to choose to worship. See, sin nature looks like this. Control, control, selfishness, anger, depravity. That's the sin nature that wants to creep up inside of me. But the Bible says I'm a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians. I'm a new creation in Christ. I don't have to live under the control of control, selfishness, anger, and depravity. That's sin nature. So what do we do instead? What do we choose instead? We choose, we choose what God has for us. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, and humility. And humility. I choose to put on these shoes, quick to hear. I choose to put on these pants, quick to speak. I chose to put on the shirt, slow to anger. I chose to have cheesy mustache, humility. That worked perfect. To choose. I love the, the way he says, the, James says, the word is planted in us. See, this, this word is alive and active. And the seeds go forth when I read it and I die to myself and I say, I'm going to choose today. And when I do that, hold on, am I hitting my notes? The word goes, goes deep into my soul and it, it takes root in my spirit and it's planted. And then as it's planted, the, the fruit comes forth. That's what James says. The word is planted in us. What is James doing here? Now, this, this gets real tricky now. I, Pay close attention because this is going to convict some of us, which the Word of God does that. What is James doing here? He is presuming a relationship with Jesus. And he's assuming the be and do. What do I mean by that? He's presuming that you have a relationship with Jesus. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, you can get through difficult times. In fact, you can have joy in the difficult times. And he's presuming that since you have a relationship with Jesus and the midst of di difficulty, you have a joy, that you're going, he assumes that you're going to be obedient and that be and do of Jesus changed my life. Now I'm going to be obedient. Did you see how that, that works? I think in the church today, this presumption of a relationship with Jesus is just that. It's very presumptuous. Because we have a church full of believers, ah, presumptuous, church full of people who raised their hand and ran out of the front of the, the, the church to say, I believe, and they have no relationship. There's huge disconnect. It would be like running the aisle with her and saying, I do, and then running the other way and doing whatever the hell I want. And that offends you? It should. Because my disobedience offends God. What have we said for the last ever? Word, pray, worship, each and every day. I die to myself and I choose this word. I die to my own flesh and I choose the conversation with Jesus. I die to my own wants and I choose to worship through music. 
I die to who I am, and each and every day, I, I, I go here. That's a relationship. That, that's what James is talking about. That's how come he says, hey, in the worst of trials, you can have joy. You can have joy. Verse 22, he instructs again, but be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. It says, as James says, this is what the life of genuine, trusting, faith-filled Christianity looks like. This is what it looks like. They do what the word says. That sounds a little crazy. To believe is to act on what we hear. To believe upon Jesus as my Lord and Savior. To believe upon what the blood of, did on the cross for me some 3,000. To believe upon the, the beating that Jesus took for me. To believe upon those things means to act on what I see and what I hear. It's just not a ticket to heaven. It changes my life. This word changes my life. And what I was 35 years ago, I'm not today. And who I was as a pastor 15 years ago is, I pray to God I'm not that same pastor today. So I'm going to act on what God shows me. I'm going to be more obedient. What does the relationship look like? It looks like stopping long enough to listen. What did James say? To listen. It looks like taking the time to understand But, but we don't stop there. We do what the Word tells us to do. We figure out which way God wants us to go, and we actually go that way. Sometimes it takes death to go that way. It, I have to die to myself to, to go the way of asking forgiveness for this woman. I know that's the way God wants me to go. Verse 23 to 25, finishing with this. He gives wisdom and gives a promise. He gives us wisdom and he gives the promise. You know what I love about this word of God? There's always a promise. There's always a promise. God doesn't just go, go to your room, you idiot. He corrects us with grace and mercy. And he goes, let me tell you why. Let me tell you what I have for you. Let me show you what it looks like. In verse 23 to 24, he says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like the man who looks intently in the natural face of the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James compares looking in the mirror as a looking at the law of God. He takes these two and he uses this analogy that we see here. And he, and he says, you know, uh, that, that, that one who looks into the perfect law of God, that looks into this word, that grabs a hold of this word and, 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 and then walks away and forgets is a fool. But the one who looks intently will be blessed. And he says, when we go into the world to live and forget what the Bible says, it's absurd to think that that's what we would do. When we forget what this word says, it's absurdity. He says it's foolishness. When we walk away, it's like looking in the mirror and forgetting who you are. 
In other words, he says this. It's like, don't forget the promises of God in this word. When, when, when things are down and out, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you have no hope, go to this word and don't forget what Jesus says about you. When you get on that stupid phone and, 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 and you get in that conversation and a group of eight people start saying that crazy stuff that they say or someone appears to be something that they're not, he's like, don't know. Let me tell you who you are. Don't be defined by the foolishness of the world. He gives us promises. And he says, I'm faithful. And that song that we sang, it says that, that he's merciful and he's grace, gracious and that he gives favor and these promises. And then he says, here's some warnings. If you do this, this is what you can expect. If you make that choice, this is what you can expect. Then he says, you have hope. And that hope is in Christ Jesus. That hope is in that I will give you peace. That hope is in that I see, that I feel, I, I understand what you go through, what you're going through. And ultimately, I bring peace into the most difficult of situations. Plant this seed in your soul. If you don't, you're a Christian, believer. He goes, ah, I have this relationship with Jesus, but I kind of like this over here. Now, it, it, again, the subtlety of it is, is we think of that. I have this relationship with Jesus, but, but um, I like this sin. And we always go to the, the hardcore you know, sins of, of adultery or, or drunken orgies or something. I don't know. But, but the subtlety of that sin is that I can be in the ministry for 10 years. And I say, I have this relationship with Jesus. And then I can turn this way and be full of anger. That's crazy the subtlety of sin. It's, it's, it's not allowing that seed to go deep into your soul. Who's the fool? The one that looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he looks like. Who's the fool? The one that hears the word and does not do it. There's no way around. There's no way around it. It's, it's, it's like the addict or the alcoholic that, 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 you know, they know clearly what to do. They know that sobri their life depends on sobriety, but they go back here. It's foolishness. It's foolishness. James points out that, that it's foolishness to think that a Christian could hear the word of God and fail to do what, he, what it says. It, I, I can only imagine it's mind-blowing to James. I hear this word, but I, I fail to do what it says. And it's that be and do that he's talking about. Look, how can you be in this relationship with God and not do what he calls you to do? How can you be in the intimate place with, with God and not do what God has called you to? He, that, that just doesn't make sense to James. Those who believe in the word of God demonstrate their trust in God by obeying, by doing, by doing. Lastly, in verse 25, he gives a promise. He gives a promise. He says, he will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. I had to unravel all, a bunch of stuff in this time in this church, that church prior that I was wrestling through. I had to unravel a bunch of stuff in my head. Once I was able to unravel and see some of the mistakes, and look, 
you know, I had plenty of mistakes. There's lots of mistakes that could be going around, but I had all my own. Once I could, could untie the knot a little bit and see my foolishness in this, and see my arrogance and my anger and my pride and all these things, um, God just blessed me in crazy ways. And one of them One of them is this church. This church isn't here today if I wasn't a fool. God works all things together, Romans 8.20. Works all things together for those who fear him and love him. So when you're sitting right in the middle of your crap, know that God is faithful. When you're sitting right in the middle of it, and you're, you're being a fool, know that the other side of, and the wisdom of God is God's goodness and His blessings. And He just kind of, He takes all this stuff and weaves it together and goes, here you go. I'm blown away by that. The reality is I, I am not qualified to be here. But because of Jesus, I'm qualified to be good. God is good. My trials, and this, I'm, I'm speaking in all of us, our trials ground our faith in a way that prosperity and abundance never could. I would have never got to the heart of the root of my stuff if the church kept growing and growing and, and I was running the show and I, I would never have got to the, the heart of my stuff. Some of you are in a trial and it's in, in the middle of that trial where we rejoice and God goes, I'm going to get you to the heart of your stuff. And, and the other side of it is a blessing. Trust me. And our suffering becomes channels for God's grace. He just goes, here you go. Here you go. Unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. God just goes, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. And just grace flows and grace flows and grace flows. The next thing you know, you're like, oh, gosh. God just starts blessing and grace flows and grace flows and grace flows. And it blows your mind. That's the God of the scripture. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that brings hope. That's the God that brought cell phones. Heidi? That's the God that I love. What's the blessing? God's grace. You know, you know what James is getting at? God's grace. God's grace. You have to tie it all together. He starts off with, have joy, brother. Have joy in the middle of it. And you go, what the? And then you go, keep reading, and you see. He just unpacks it. It's like, whoa. And the blessing that he's talking about is the grace in my marriage that I need. It's the grace in my friendships that I need. It's the grace working two jobs that I need. It's the grace in being the man that God's called me to be. It's the grace that God just pours forth. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for your word. 
the wisdom of James, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that as he wrote these words. Oh God, that, that we walk in your blessing, but oh God, that we walk in this relationship with you and, and that we do. Lord, that we choose to die daily. That we choose to allow you to resurrect us. God, I, I, there, there are people today in this building that, that are walking through the difficulties that James talks about in 2 through 5. And they haven't found that joy, but God, I just pray that as they die, that you would bring that joy, Father God. And that you'd bring the hope, Father God. And the Lord, we'd be obedient to your word. We'd be obedient to what you called us to. That you, Christ Jesus, might be glorified in our life. God, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for this church. God, I'm, I'm blown away by your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen.